We're part of an elite fraternity, you and me. Uh, rookie year, we both had coaches fired after four games. <laughs> hey, hey. He said elite fraternity. Elite, bro. Elite. They didn't even give, they didn't even give Scott Lenahan five hey. games, dude. They, what are you supposed to do? We were rookies. Like, you're looking around like the guy that drafted me is gone. What Yo. The it's chaos. Dennis, Dennis Allen, man. We just we just practiced against him in, uh, in New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. And, then, uh, and yeah. then he got Derek too. So uh, he yeah. got Derek too. So it was yeah. it was definitely one of those like yeah. damn. Okay. Welcome to the Green Light Podcast. Cowboy take me away. Khalil Mack is coming for you today. He got us. Chris and Khalil had a great conversation, very in-depth and pass rush oriented. Cleo didn't just talk pass rush. He talked his entire career. Cleo talks about his time with the Raiders when he ran into Howie Long. Then in Chicago, he talks about his time there and running into Kyle Long. The trade from the Raiders to Chicago, his holdout, and now his time in L.A. with Justin Herbert, Brandon Staley, Joey Bosa. And you hear why he wore number 46 in his last year at Buffalo in college. To kick things off, Chris talks about his hectic Tuesday, heading up to Philly for Inside the NFL, his first show with the fellas, and reminiscing on their first NFL game at Inside the NFL. We'll talk a little NFL news today. The big one is Travis Kelsey's knee. What does it mean for Thursday's game against the Lions and Travis Kelsey's future in Kansas City? And the Chiefs' Super Bowl hopes. Y'all, please enjoy the episode. We are back on Friday with Stanford Steve. If you want to catch it early, check out the Greenlight YouTube channel. Steve's going to be out on Thursday afternoon. It'll be college football and NFL betting heavy. We will see you then. Layup line, Frank Sinatra, fly me to the moon. I love you. There's a reason that I'm picking Frank Sinatra for layup line, not just because my, my granddad used to love Frank Sinatra. I mean, whose granddad didn't love Frank Sinatra? Um, my granddad was actually like pretty Italian. Yeah. And uh, I think actually in my family tree, there was a, a, a mayor of Newark, Hugh Adonisio, nice. who got caught up in some racketeering kind of <laughs> charges. You know, like I think there were some, uh, the refrigerator fell off the back of a truck kind of things going on yeah. uh, up in Jersey uh, on my mom's side. But uh, he loved Frank Sinatra. Well, anyways, today uh, I'm up there filming uh, Inside the NFL. Another reminder, it's on CW every Tuesday, 8 p.m. And you can probably run it back somehow. That's what my family's going to do because we had to get the kids down so they can get to watch the show. Uh, but I was taping one of my very first segments on that show. I love the show. Again, Jay Cutler, Ryan Clark, Channing Crowder, um, Ocho Cinco, the whole crew. Great team chemistry. I really do feel like I'm on a team again, which is great. And they're all football guys, which is even better. And so we're taping our first segment. And I think, I don't know what we're talking about. Maybe we're talking about Aaron Rodgers or something. We moved over to this couch setup. 
and everybody's got their phones. You know, when you're on TV, you don't want to do the Adam Schefter thing. You don't want to have your phone on. Only Adam Schefter can do that. For me, I turn it all the way down. I make sure I have no alarm set, the whole thing. I turn it on silent. But anyways, I'm sitting at the couch, and in the middle of the segment, I hear Frank Sinatra blaring. Uh, and I'm thinking it's coming through the IFB. I'm thinking Bluetooth cross with my IFB, which is like the mic, the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the little earbud that they put in your ear. And I'm like, fuck, I just got fired. I mean, I was for the first three seconds, I heard Frank Sinatra and I didn't realize it was him. And I was like, is this some old, like, some old country? Is this coming from my phone? Am I fucked? Did I sign a two year deal? What are my guarantees like? You know, are there mm -hmm. stipulations of the contract where they can't fire me the first day? And I'm, once I realized it's Frank, I realized I don't have any Frank Sinatra on my phone. I'm looking around, everybody's just staring off into space. A little bit horrified, but also curious as to why nobody's turned their fucking phone off. And all of a sudden, Ocho looks up and he's like, damn, that's me. <laughs> 10 to 14 seconds into the song. So his ringtone is Frank Sinatra and it's uh, Fly Me to the Moon. And we got through the segment fine. It was really cool how it works on Inside the NFL. You know, like for us, if we did something like that, it would take us all day to figure out whether or not we could we could clear that sample. Like, you know, because it's right. just, there's red tape and that sort of thing. Y'all don't realize, like, when we had Muddy Waters as the intro, you got to go through his estate. And then you go through J.J. Kale's estate to get Call Breeze. Me the Breeze. I mean, so you got to jump through hoops. But within four minutes, they decided that they could keep the segment. We didn't have to do it over. We weren't going to get, you know, hammered by Frank Sinatra's estate. Uh, and we kept it in the show. So I love the show. I love how loose it is. It's TV, but it feels like a bunch of guys just hanging out. I wrote down a couple of things on the way up to uh, Inside the NFL because I took a car up four hours and 30 minutes. Some people are like, and you know the nice thing about driving up to your show? All the producers are like, man, he really wants to get here. He's a hard <laughs> worker. I just want to be alone. Yeah. You know, I just want to be in a car for four hours and nobody can fucking bother me. Well, guess what happens anyways? Phone rings like a, a motherfucker. I get a, a driver who is super cool, but we had a, a, a bit of a conversation. Uh, and I want to share with you the couple things I learned from my driver on the way up to Philly. I learned that D.C. is such a hard city to drive in because of prostitution. <laughs> he said that in the 80s, prostitution was so bad, they started making the streets more complicated so people had to double back around the block like three times. <laughs> so they made all these one ways. So by the time you went six blocks, you were like, I'm not horny anymore. So I learned that from my driver, okay? The way he explained it was great. Sounds true. He told me he had worked a quinceanera. He, he had driven for a quinceanera. I told him uh, my brother had gotten married. Uh, we're an Irish family. His wife's family is Mexican. It was a great wedding. I was talking about how awesome the culture is. And he was like, yeah, I drove for one of them quinceaneras. But what he said was, I drove from one of them Kwanzaa things. When, <laughs> when you turn 15, <laughs> when you turn 15, they do this Kwanzaa thing. I said, do you mean a quinceanera? Um, and he taught me, he taught me this. Hey, guys, you know, I had a dream last night that I was a, a muffler. No. Yeah. I woke up and I was exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this guy was great. So anytime I have a driver for five hours, I'm taking notes, all right? Uh, and I'm going to tell you what I learned from him. Loved Inside the NFL. We talked about a couple things uh, that I'll share with you, one of them, and check the show out. But they were like, we want to talk about Saquon Barkley. 
you know, his value to the team, the whole thing. Ryan had done a talk back with him. So you, you get Ryan interviewing Saquon on the show briefly. I think he did it for the pivot. And they were like, Chris, I think there's some old footage that you used to talk about of you chasing Saquon. I'm like, don't remind me. And please don't pull it up because it looks like I'm running in concrete boots. And I have no angle on the guy. He changes direction 17 times. We're running a TE stunt into a screen, which is terrible. So the play starts, you take two steps up the field, you come underneath and the guard just, you know, hits you in the side of the head. You don't know which way is which. You're looking for the ball. You, you start chasing your teammates because you don't know who has the ball. <laughs> and then you realize it's that guy. And I think they counted it up. I think he ran 75 yards on a 50-yard gain. And I'm running behind him the entire time. And I joked that I had deep third because I ended up in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> there's no good angle when there's 14 bodies and they're all missing and there's people on the ground. And this was one of those moments that I realized that Saquon Barkley is really good at football and a big, big part of the future of the NFL. Now, unfortunately, his career has been up and down because of injuries and because of where he's played. But I'm really excited for him this year. I'm glad they got something done. I know it's, you know, it's a little bit, if you're a pro running back guy, you might look at Saquon's deal or, you know, the deal that uh, Josh Jacobs signed in Vegas and say, well, that doesn't help advance the ball for running backs at large. But I'm glad they're on the field. And uh, we got to pinpoint that highlight. So that was on the CW, me running after Saquon Barkley. I was 33 years old. I mean, for fuck's sake, I didn't have a shot. Special guy, we talked about that. It's a lot of fun to be able to tell the producers at the CW or at NFL Films. There's a play from 2005. I remember it, it's in the second quarter of you know the opener or something like that. Well, I didn't play in 2005, but you get the idea. They pull it up in less than a minute. They have a, a library of any play that ever happened. If I snap my fingers, the play can be on the show, and it makes it, it makes it feel pretty cool. Well, you've talked about that before when you were on the Amazon show yeah. going into Steve Sable's palace. Steve Sable's got a palace, man. I love that building. Everything in the building is intentional. Every picture on the wall is intentional. He's got movie posters on there. They all mean something as it relates to the NFL and his experience. So Steve Sable, absolute legend. Him and his pops built a hell of a thing there in Mount Laurel, uh, New Jersey. But having the B-roll is great because they asked me, they said, you know, the first segment was, hey, Chris, and guys, we went around the room and talked about, you know, your first game because that's what's coming up Thursday is the first game of the season. It's a long road to get to the first game of the season. When you're in training camp, it's kind of like Groundhog Day. There's no opponent. There's nobody you're playing at the end of the week. Yeah, you got preseason, but you're really working concepts. You're you're – you're working your craft. And for veterans, if you're not just swimming as hard as you can to stay on the surface and not take on water, you know how to do this stuff. So you just, you're anxiously awaiting the time when the meeting room kind of empties out and final cuts happen and it gets eerily quiet and you think, hey, it's fucking go time. Uh, I think for, for, for a guy like me, and I was lucky to be most years, not on the bubble, cuts were a time where I felt bad for everybody and it hits hard. But as quick as that happens, your mind snaps right back into, oh shit, we got the Lions if you're the Chiefs. Or, oh fuck, we got the, the Falcons. Like in 2018 when I got a chance to be a part of that Eagles team that got to lower the banner and be in that first game of the season. That's a special atmosphere. But the cool thing, and I talked about this, is when cuts happen, the only good part about it is that it's go time. And you know, the hallways are emptier, the parking lot's emptier, 
the tone in the building's different. And that first meeting, when the room is cut in half, it's very quiet. You know, you can feel the empty space. And it means that it's time to roll. So it's a special time. And for the Chiefs, that special time is getting ruined because fucking Travis Kelsey got hurt in practice today. You don't have Chris Jones. He's holding out the whole thing. So anyways, they asked me because they went around the room and they said, do you remember one opening game your entire career? First off, I look back at all the opening games I ever played in. I think I won two of them uh, before I ended up in New England and Philly. So eight years, two wins. Not as bad as you think. But when you add up the scores, the first four, uh, four opening games I played in, I think we got beat by like 130 to 26. Oof. We started out 38 to three at the link. And you know, it's pretty interesting with my career. Uh, my first game in college was at the link. We played Temple and we beat the dog shit out of them because it was Temple and Temple wasn't as good. Well, they've been better since with Matt Rule and stuff. But at the time we were a big like pro style outfit and we went up there and rolled them. So four years later, fast forward, I'm playing my first game at the link. It's 100 degrees. They got Trey Thomas, they got John Runyon, they got Donovan McNabb, they got Brian Westbrook, and it was intense, man. You know, the speed of the game, the whole thing, and I didn't play bad. I got some good rushes on Trey and that sort of thing, but we lost 38-3. to And I'll never forget the fucking second quarter of the game. Might have been the first quarter, actually. Steven Jackson, who I've been staring at with my jaw on the ground the entire camp, like, yeah. you mean to tell me people tackle this guy? you can't touch him in camp and i wouldn't risk it because the motherfucker looks like the brahma bull and then on game day he's out there and he's snorting uh 30 salt uh smelling salt packets and he comes out and his eyes are just beat red and he looks like he's breathing fire dude like you don't want to get in the fucking guy's way anyways we're up in philly he catches the ball down the seam number 24 i did catch a license plate on this guy decapitate steven you know it's like in a movie when the best you have mm -hmm. goes out there and gets punched in the mouth and you're like, well, fuck, what do we do now? His helmet flies off in the air, 20 feet in the air. Steven gets up, signals first down, and he looks more excited than he did before he caught the ball. <laughs> and I just remember sitting on the sideline and going, this is the NFL, man. This shit is real. You know, this guy that I've been staring at for a month, wondering if there were people that, that could get him on the ground, just got decapitated at the link, 70,000 people going nuts we're already down like 17 to 3 I don't think we finished that drive with a touchdown obviously <laughs> 38 to 3 we went down in Philly so that was my first NFL game and then obviously uh, my last home game was at the Lynx so special place for me special memory for me even though the next year we didn't learn anything we lost 28 nothing to a Jim Mora led Seahawks team up in Seattle we got our ass kicked by him but the Chiefs man you know opening this season I talked about how special that night is when they lowered the banner. When I left New England, uh, I was I was a little bit bummed because, you know, not because of the decision. I had to make the decision I had to make, but I was going to miss that that opening game, right? You know, where everything we did last year, we get to get cheered on on the football field. Because usually when you're all together and you're doing the parade or you're doing whatever it is post-Super Bowl, you're all fucked up. You're drunk, you're partying. You know, that stuff's awesome. But to feel it in that kind of setting, when you have that mindset on, it's very intense. And I'll never forget that night. The Chiefs are used to it, right? They're rolling out there. Um, they're seasoned vets at this thing. They've, they've had to defend Super Bowl titles, uh, but they've never had to do this. And, you know, it's been since 2014, Travis Kelsey has missed the game. And I know that there's a chance he plays, 
according to Andy Reid, but he's not going to play. If I'm Andy Reid, if you actually had to figure out whether his ACL was gone, then I would rest him because you, you got a full 10 days from Thursday to Jacksonville. And Jacksonville is an AFC playoff opponent. You know, the Lions, if you are who you say you are, you should be able to play them competitively, even without two of your, your big three. And I think the Lions are a good football team, but it, you know, and I bet the Lions. I bet the Lions as soon as I heard the Travis Kelsey news, I bought the seven. Reminder, buying points is okay. When it comes to Travis Kelsey, um, that's not your biggest concern. Your biggest concern is Chris Jones, for obvious reasons. We've talked about that at length, but it does complicate things on offense for you. And for Patrick Mahomes, who's never seen a game in the regular season without Travis Kelsey, this is uncharted territory. You know, Rasheed Rice is, is a guy that's going to have to step up a little bit. I thought he was going to be like more of a package guy, but he's going to have to play a lot early. Good thing they kept seven wide receivers. You know, I think they're playing the numbers game a little bit, trying to figure out who's going to shake shake out over this first month of the season. Rasheed Rice is a guy who's got to. You know, you've got MVS, you've got Kadarius Tony, who's your number one. And that makes things a little bit tougher on him, right? Because he's supposed to get singled all the time because of Travis Kelsey. Well, if he starts going off uh, Thursday night, although Sutton and Jerry Jacobs are two guys who don't really travel much with, with the number one or that sort of thing, they kind of stay home. Um, you know, you can do more things to bracket Kadarius Tony and, and send some reinforcements at him if he does get loose. So it becomes harder on him. Rasheed Rice has to step up. Sky Moore, a lot of pressure on him this year, obviously. And then, you know, I, I heard Veach talking about Fortson being their jump ball guy in the past. They've got Justin Ross, who I think, you know, you should probably keep your eye on. Brett Veach was talking about this kid like he's going to get some jump balls. Uh, and this was before the injury. So I think at the red zone, you might you might look at, at him to step up. And another thing about, about um, Rasheed Rice is he's a good blocker. So you mm -hmm. might see him reduced a little bit, um, not in line necessarily, but, but a guy who can get in a bunch and put a hat on somebody on the second level. I think the, the big thing that you, that you have going for you is Mahomes has played a lot in the preseason. Yeah. And it's not like Mahomes needs to, but look around the league. You know, Jalen Hurts is going to go up to New England, hasn't played in the preseason. A bunch of guys we talked about on this show, have not played in the preseason, which is kind of a new trend. I feel like quarterbacks getting mm -hmm. the rust off is a, is a thing that you have to do. But teams are rolling the dice. Mahomes has played in the preseason. He's ready to roll. And it's really critical you get off to a fast start against these guys because you don't want the Lions to settle into like a perpetual four-minute mode. You want them to chase you. And I think the key is if you're Steve Spagnola, um, you're going to dial it up. Yeah. You know, Steve's going to dial it up. Spags is going to dial it up. And he's going to dial it up on rundowns. So they got to keep the big plays uh, from happening. You know, sometimes you you get aggressive on rundowns. You're one crease off, and it's a 40 to 50 yard gain um, out of the backfield. So I think he's going to heat him up. If I'm Spags, I'm going to say, hey, let's make Jared Goff beat us. You know, I feel like I like our matchups outside. McDuffie, Sneed. I think those guys can man up just fine. Uh, I think the big question mark is going to be, can you stop the run? And we've we've harped on this thing, so. Looking at the other side, you think Detroit will bring more pressure without Kelsey? And like, how does it change the few days before when you're game planning with uncertainty about a star, star player playing or not? I think it's usually pretty uncertain, but I, I do think in this situation, he's not going to play. You know, if this was a thing where they were going to, you know, a little gamesmanship, Dick with the Lions, he'd have a hamstring three days ago. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the guy really hurt his knee. They're not making this up. But it doesn't feel like an injury two days out that I feel good about, especially if you, you weigh the risk-reward. Mm -hmm. I mean, they got off to a slow start 
last year, right? They can afford to do this. Yeah. Um, but what you can't afford to do is have Travis Kelsey's knee getting Swiss cheesed in the first month of the season. So I, I think the big the big thing for Detroit is, you know, you've, you you simplified things on the back end last year. You add a Brian Branch. You've got some good pieces back in the secondary. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, I think, is going to play. Kind of took me by surprise. Um, but you have the pieces in the secondary. You might play a little bit more man. Um, you know, and another thing is when you're in zone and it's scramble drill, who's the guy that gets right. gets free? And Kelsey. those back-breaking conversions. So it's going to be up to the rushers to rush, right? They're not playing at home. You know, there's no good, there's not going to be a silent count type thing. You got to rush smart and you got to rush as a unit. And if they're manned up behind you, you got to be really smart. We talked about the Mahomes play that broke the Eagles back in the Super Bowl. They rushed five. It's first and second down. It's I think it's second down or first down. And they rush five. They're manned up outside. You've got two linebackers that could pull it out in the flat. They're chipping out on one side. They're in the flat on the other side. And so the middle of the field just opens up. So when you're in man, it's dangerous. Even if you're rushing five and you got a balance-up guy, which mm -hmm. they had, they got to be careful when they get in man, but they can play more man. And you can do more and take guys away that would be doubling and paying more attention to Travis Kelsey to do other things. So I think I, I think for the for the Lions, this is a big lift, right, offensively, uh, you know, facing that Chiefs offense rather. And on the other side of things, obviously, not just the run game, but you're replacing half of your sack production from last year. Okay, like even the reinforcements you brought in, Omena, who's not playing for six games, Dunlap gone, uh, Frank Clark gone, Chris Jones, God, it feels like he's gone. <laughs> Some Chiefs fans will tell me that he's gone. I got a guy today that said, that, "Well, your social's not going to change the Chiefs' offer." I'm like, "Well, that's your fucking loss, not me." I mean, I'm not the one who has a chance to win a Super Bowl this year. If you want to, if you want to plant your flag on this thing and piss in the wind. Uh, be my guest. It's not going to end well for you. So it's a little preview of maybe what they're going to have to deal with in the near future. And I don't mean, you know, they're not going to replace these guys with pieces, but Travis Kelsey, we talked about him being underpaid. You're going to have to pay him again. He's what, 32 years old? 34, like I think. 34. You know, he's not going to play forever. Chris Jones is certainly not going to be there forever. It doesn't feel like he's going to be there for a month, depending on what day I wake up. So this is going to be a big test for Kansas City. And don't you feel like they figure out how to win this game? Yes. I mean, they're still like, favored by five, yeah. The line moved to five or five and a half. I got it at seven, right? I bought to seven. I feel good about Detroit covering. I think it's going to be a good ball game. But I could also see Kansas City saying, fuck it, we're going to run a lot of gap scheme shit. You know, we like our other tight ends just fine. Blake Bell can block. Noah Gray is going to catch the ball. Um, you know, we're going to get creative. And we're going to possess the football. And for the Lions, you can play keep away. That's got to be the goal. You got to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field, and you can do that with this run game. But it's a tough road test. You talk about Jared Goff. You know the pressure's on him. If I'm walking into this game and I'm Patrick Mahomes, I'm like, fuck it. I get a chance to prove that I can do it with nobody else. Yep. That's the kind of competitor he is. And right. that's those are the mind games you play with yourself. Even even though you know damn well you wouldn't rather have it, uh, you'd rather have it the other way. Uh, but for Jared Goff, if you can't go into uh, Kansas City and play a, a good, clean game and keep this thing competitive, no rushers on their team that scare you, uh, and Chris Jones is out, and Travis Kelsey's out offensively, the Lions are going to have a lot 
a lot to talk about when they get back to Detroit if they don't show out in this game. It's a hell of a rematch to live up to, right? Because one of the last times Jared Goff and Patrick Mahomes faced off, it 54, was... 51 Yep. Oh, wait, right. The, the McDonald's game. Shout out to Ocho Cinco, who loves McDonald's. The guy eats McDonald's nonstop. So um, I'm looking forward to this game just because the season's starting. I mean, that, that Sunday slate is looking like a snack right now. And if yeah. the Lions steal when they have the Seahawks at home in week two, I mean, that's a big jump that's to big their one. NFC North hopes. That's a big one. With extended rest, too. It's an advantage to start on a Thursday. No question. And the Chiefs need to use that uh, advantage. Not that if it was Sunday, you wouldn't have any. It's not a, you know, but like, it just doesn't make sense. If this game was Sunday, maybe, you know, depending on where Kelsey is, you play him. But it's two two days from now, man. And the worst thing with knee injuries, you don't even know how bad it's going to be until yeah. you wake up the next day. So we, we're talking about this. Travis Kelsey can walk up, wake up tomorrow and not be able to walk, you know, because the swelling, you know, shows up. And, and uh, it's going to be a process to get him back. The run after the catch stuff, that's it. Who's going to step up and break tackles for them? Because, you know, he's their guy. He's the guy. It's, it's a nightmare that he, he catches the ball for a 13-yard gain on third and long. But the, the bigger nightmare is he runs for another 14 yards. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to be the key. Who's going to give them the run-after catch ability? I think it's Kadarius Tony. My early viewing party is going to be Kyle watching the Chiefs and waiting for those special plays that mm -hmm. uh, Andy's going to inevitably mm -hmm. draw up. And it's going to be uh, the... Uh, once upon a time in Hollywood gif every time in Kyle it's going to be yep. that gif next to Kyle every time he's going to be pointing no out question. the carousel he's going to be pointing he out was just, I don't know who was more excited to hear that Andy Reid took a play from a janitor <laughs> me or Kyle uh Kyle loves Andy Reid who doesn't love Andy Reid this is going to be a he heck of a test you know great coaches Mike Vrabel went to Kansas City last year with Malik Willis uh and a bunch of guys I hadn't heard of and and they went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Kansas City so if I'm Kansas City uh, you know, I'm probably showing that tape and saying, we don't have to be at fucking full strength. Team came in here, almost beat us last year with Malik Willis at quarterback. And the same thing for the Lions. You can go in this place and beat these guys. You know, so it's an interesting pos position for both teams to be in. Okay, Juju. Now, I thought this was interesting. The Juju uh, news that people were making a big deal about this is his knee was all shredded up and it's like a ticking time bomb and the whole thing, which I didn't really know about. But it's interesting because he passed the physical. Did it did it deteriorate this quickly? Um, and also on top of that, if you look at it, I mean, Jacoby Myers walked for the same money they could have had him. Same deal. Same deal. And I think Jacoby Myers is a nice player. Um, I think they like Juju's blocking and that sort of thing. Um, but Jacoby is a nice player. You could have had him for the same amount of money. And if you look at, like, the Patriots history, and it's, a, 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 you know, a well-beaten path talking about this, but they've just had really bad luck. And I can't say it's luck because they've done these things intentionally. Acquiring wide receiver talent, whether it's in free agency trades, you can point to, like, Sanu. You can point to Nikhil Harry in the draft. You can point to... You know, A, B, even the good ones they've had lately, it's been like, and you can't cover, you know, average wide receiver play anymore. No. And I'm not saying that they had it, but I'm saying all the guys that they've hit on, like taking a flyer on, you know, like a lacrosse player, you know, stealing Julian Edelman. Right. Um, you got this Hall of Fame quarterback that can make everything kind of work. You don't have that anymore. So... For, for the Patriots, it's a concern because I thought he was going to be a big part of this offense this year. I'm not putting in the past tense yet. It's just a report.
but the report is kind of troubling and I'm not sure what it's about. There's no ulterior motive for that report to come out. I think there's something to it. And I think it's just reflective of the bad luck they've had or the, the, the bad decisions they've made. If I'm Bill, I'm calling Cooper Cup's agent. Yeah, if you, if you think you're that close, you know, it's, what would it take? I don't know if they, you know, I don't know if Bill's going to, Bill doesn't seem like a guy who's going to make a lot of big blockbuster trades anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Devontae new- maybe though. Because Devonte has he's been uh, he's said he wants out of Las Vegas, right? And he doesn't oh, have Devontae any injury. Adams. Yeah, sure, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. It's Cooper Cooper's questionable with you know he's still in what is he Canada? I don't know, man. I don't know what the Patriots want to do this year. I really don't. I don't. I, I don't know how how much they want to go for it. Um, but this is a problem, you know. And for for Mac Jones, I feel bad for the kid. As bad as I can feel for a guy that's tried to shred the ACLs of five D linemen <laughs> sliding into second base. So, anyways, that's 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 a tough one. And then with the Vikings, there's a little bit of good news for them. Uh, you know, T.J. Hawkinson, they got that deal done. Um, so he got paid again, reinforcing Travis Kelsey's wildly underpaid. We could have that conversation about the tight ends too, in some respects. I think when you look at Minnesota, they are set up perfectly for next year's quarterback, whoever that is. And I made the point, they're, they're going to be competitive enough that they're probably not picking in the top five to ten, maybe on the edge of the top ten. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to casually just throw it out that the team's going to be cheeks. I'm not saying they're going to be cheeks. But I, but I do think, you know, the writing's on the wall. And when you have a Jordan Addison, you have a Justin Jefferson, you have a TJ Hawkinson, that's a really good thing. These guys are locked up for the foreseeable future. You have two young tackles, okay? Like we talked about, you know, uh, Abe Lucas and, and Cross up in, um, in Seattle, how set they are. No matter who's playing quarterback, it's a great thing to have. You've got that and the skill guys in Minnesota, and you've shed some of the, the, the dead weight that you can now use to set your next quarterback up for success. And he's probably not going to be one of those guys that can walk in the room and just set the league on fire right away. Maybe they're in love with a guy that I don't know about. Maybe they're like the kid from Duke or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Turn it into a quarterback factory. But, you know, Caleb Williams, Drake May, they're not going to be there for this guy. So this is a really good thing that they got these pieces in line for the next guy. And it makes sense that Detroit traded him now when you look at it. Like, they must have seen this not quite a holdout situation, but a contract situation coming up and decided to go back to the draft and keep building. One thing yeah. Bill has always done well is he's 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 gotten rid of guys before he's had to pay them. You know, that's kind of like been the, yep. the way to go in certain organizations. And, you know, while they haven't drafted necessarily that well offensively, we just talked about the wide receivers, he has a pretty good idea of when to cut bait. Although there's always a guy or two in New England that leaks out and then still plays well, like Hakeem Hicks is one you you would have forgot he was in New England. Yeah. So I'm not saying the rule is that if you're not in New England by their volition, you're not good. I just mean that they're good at actually like saying, hey, the value at this point is in getting something for this cat. And I think Dan Campbell and the Lions, while it was a real head scratcher, did the right thing there. Yeah. Because they like their young tight end in Laporta, and I think they'll be just fine. And they were fine at the end of the season last year. So that's interesting. Here's Khalil Mack. I love Khalil Mack, power rusher. You know, when he got in the league, and we talk about this in a little bit, I was so shocked by the way he moved big men. It was just, he's obviously one of the pound-for-pound strongest guys that played our game in the past 15, 20 years as elite edge rushers. And the way he uses leverage, 
the way he gains ground. Um, it's effortless. It's a lot of fun to watch. He's one of my favorite rushers that I've seen over the last five, 10 years. And somebody who's not like a big anymore double-digit sack guy. Because he hadn't had a double-digit year in a couple years. But look at his pressures. Look at his disruptions. Look at the things he does to affect the game plan. You can bet your bottom dollar. I don't care how old the guy is. When Khalil Mack's lining up against you on Sunday, you think Austin Jackson's having a good night's sleep this week? You think whoever else is playing tackle for Miami's having a good night's sleep? You think the center's excited about him coming around on a two-man loop stunt and tattooing him in the side of the head? That guy is a guy you still game plan for, and I loved interviewing him. He's a quiet guy. Kyle used to, d d to describe him as Bane, you know, like <laughs> from Batman. You know, he just sit in his locker all jacked. Um, not say a word, go out and handle his business. So before, you know, we've talked on the field and he's always been so cool to me. Uh, but I didn't know how the interview would go because he's quiet. But I just love talking to Khalil. I mean, I had a ball, a guy you'd want to play with and somebody that told some great stories. So check out the interview. After that, we will be back Friday with Stanford Steve. Absolutely love having Khalil Mack on. Thanks to Cash App for sponsoring this podcast. With their security, free-to-order debit card, and a suite of savings and bank tools, it feels like they're my money's BFF. And speaking of BFFs, if you pay attention to the podcast, you know that all of our BFFs are on the Greenlight Softball Squad. We're into softball so much that Dr. Fax challenged me to a home run derby. Matt and Reed put a little side bet on it, and after Fax came out on top, it was easy enough for Matt to pay up and Cash App read his winnings. I wish I could have defeated Dr. Fax and helped Matt take Reed's money, but Reed's now slightly richer thanks to Dr. Fax and Cash App. With security, discounts, boosts, a free-to-order debit card, no overdraft fees, Cash App is like a BFF for your money. So download it in the App Store or Google Play today and start enjoying your BFF app. I hate buying tickets. I've been playing my whole life. Never had to worry about buying tickets. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. And with the Game Time app, it's easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. If I'm trying to see the monster trucks for my kids or Willie Nelson for me and my kids, I can find it all in the Game Time app. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has the deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Stag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code GREENLIGHT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code GREENLIGHT for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, one of my favorite players in the league. I mean, I love power rushes, man. And this guy, I just watched him when he came in the league and he would just roll through people like a wave. Like they didn't know what hit him. Uh, and, and I've always wanted to ask him what he's eating for breakfast on game day. I finally get him on the show, Khalil Mack. How we doing, big guy? Man, I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed. Can't complain. Now, how you, man? 
I'm good, bro. Just doing this, you know, podcast thing is a lot easier than rushing the passer, but you're still doing it at a high level, man. So I'm excited to see you play this year. I guess my first question would be this. I mean, we were just talking about this on Inside the NFL today. Me and the guys were saying, what's your favorite part of the beginning of the season? And for me, it's just cut downs are tough, but when that room empties out a little bit, it's kind mm -hmm. of a special feeling. It means we're going to we're going to battle and we got a game plan, an actual game plan. No more messing around. So yeah. you got the Dolphins this week. Yeah. How do you go through your you know, progression, so to speak, when it comes to preparing to rush a certain guy or a group of guys, because you might not know who's going to play. Yeah, uh, man, that's a good question, man. Um, like you said, I start off with uh, the run game, um, but I know it's just the run game, uh, looking at the offensive line, seeing what kind of clues they're going to give me, uh, run pass keys. Uh, and from there, you kind of just dissect formations and all those different things as the week goes out and see if what you – uh, dissect it matches up with what the coaches dissect, and so um, that's how, that's how, that's kind of how I start Monday, Tuesday, kind of trying to figure out what I'm gonna do. Do you come in with a like a, a rush plan, or do you feel it out as the game goes on? I feel like uh, you can you can you can come in with a rush plan, but uh, what you might be getting might be different than what you saw on film the, exactly. the weeks uh, the weeks before. Uh, just understanding, uh, you know, having joy on the other side. Uh, the whole game plan might switch uh, this year. You know what I mean? They might yeah. be doing more bumps, more trap passes, more things to kind of slow us down, screens, all those different things like that. And so uh, it's just the understanding of the game and knowing who you're playing against and what the coach may be thinking that week. Dude, it's funny because, you know, that, that, that brings up a point where when Aaron Donald got drafted or when Robert Quinn showed up and it wasn't just me and a couple guys or whatever and we had a whole crew, People were like, how great is this playing with Aaron Donald? I was like, well, not that fucking great because the ball's getting out. You know what I mean? Like, it's like you think it's supposed to be easier because there's a bunch of you dogs up front. Uh, yeah. But it's like the more of y'all there are, the more they're going to go quick game. Oh, right now. Right now, man. And that's that's the that's the part of the game that, that you see uh, changing more and more. Because, uh, like I said, it's it's more than one guy on the on the field um, that can rush the pass in our days. Uh, it's more than likely three and you see that I know you was in Philly and they probably got probably six guys that's rolling so, so uh, <laughs> it's it's one of those things where the game is uh affected when you hit the quarterback but they not going to try to give you a chance to get there do you do you plan thing well I know you said you you might go into it and not have a plan but as the game goes on but but you seem like a guy that that the speed is set up by the power like it's you know like yeah. you you got speed you got great top of the rush mechanics and all that stuff which is one of the hardest things is, you know, mm -hmm. once you get to, you win at eight, how do you stay at eight? Um, yeah. Which you're real good at, but I feel like you set things up with power. How true is that? Uh, and and what comes off of power for you? I mean, man, that's a good question as well, man. Uh, Bro, I'm, t I'm like two for get... four right now. Yeah, That'll get you yeah, the yeah, all-star yeah. game in baseball. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't want to get too much of it away. Yeah. But uh, like you said, um, speed. Uh, I feel like speed sets up the power. Um, uh, for me, um, great get off. Um, looking at the feet. Um, other 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 offensive linemen. I like to look at certain steps. I'm not gonna say which step. Yeah, don't say it, dude. But, I know yeah, 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 yeah. Certain, <laughs> I like to look at certain steps. Uh, to, to to know uh when when I'm gonna get this guy uh off 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 balance. And, yeah. And, 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 and for good terms, uh. 
without trying to get too much away. Uh, well, but, well, uh, we can go. We, let's go in the past, man, because that's that's said and done. <laughs> but like uh, the the Osweiler game. Well, it's it's the Khalil Mack game, which to me. You know you did something good when people are like, "Yeah, the Khalil Mack game," and everybody knows what they're talking about. That's the kind of the kind of day, dude, where it just all comes together. And and yeah. I, all those sacks came in the second half. Yeah. Take me through how that day went and when you knew it was going to be a good day. Oh man, I low key didn't know it was going to be a good day at first. Uh, I feel like that was a low scoring game. Yeah. Uh, but I knew Brock. I knew Brock would hold the ball. Um, uh, I feel like was Peyton out. Peyton out. For like a stretch of games that year, yeah, yeah, and uh, we saw that Brock he'll hold it, man. And so, uh, just knowing that we knew we, we would have time to get there, uh, and having the inside uh presence of uh, Mario Edwards, man, he he didn't get a lot of credit for that He's game, but uh, he he pushed that pocket, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, whenever we were on the same side, it just seemed like Brock was falling in my arms, and so uh, it kind of made it a little easy. But uh, like you said, um, a lot of power rushes, a lot of long arms, uh, and we knew where he was going to be standing at in that pocket, and um, I knew I was going to have a chance to get there. Yeah, and that was uh, that was Pops's record. You you and him tied. You and Howie yeah, yeah, Long. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I, he was hyped, man, because. He just loves you, so he was like, yeah, "If anybody's yeah. gonna tie or break my record, I bet he was in studio rooting for you to get six, man." Yeah, man, that was dope, man. I remember meeting your pops, man, for the first time with the uh, with the hard handshake, big handshake, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know who's got you know who's got the hardest handshake of all time? Have you ever met Adrian Peterson? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that AP, motherfucker yeah, will break yeah. your hand, dude. <laughs> but yeah, Dad's a big, big dude. I'm surprised yeah. you. When you guys met, did you start talking through pass rush? Because he loves yeah, to, man. and then he'll rip your shirt like he. He'll... Yeah. <laughs> Bro, he, he came, almost he... got me. He almost got me. <laughs> yeah. He came to uh, Virginia when I was at Virginia, and this was back in the white tee era. And uh, he he was throwing dudes around by their by their collar, and a three X turned into a four X. Man, like guys were <laughs> guys were upset. They were like, "Man, I got a great coaching point, but I can't wear this shirt anymore." Hey, bro, man, your pop, man. He he said, I feel like we talked probably like fifteen minutes in in, in the yeah. Open Raiders uh, cafeteria, yeah. and um, he was just really really passionate about what he was telling me, man. And, I think he forgot that I was a, a human being because he was telling me about what he did on the uh, on the field goal post. Yeah, the hump move. Oh man! I say, yo, is he trying me right now? Is he trying, <laughs> he trying to figure out how tough I am. Yeah, no. Hey, yo, but no, nah, he's incredible, just he's man. just he incredible. doesn't know how strong he is, man. That's that's incredible, all it is. man. Yeah. It's incredible, man. Especially yeah. knowing how. Where he at at this stage of life, but he's still incredibly strong, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, the funny thing is, he used to tell me, he'd be like, just try the hump move, man. It's the Reggie White. I used to land it all the time. You just, you just throw the chop down and then get, you want to get under their left armpit and they'll just go flying. And I'm like, yeah, maybe for you, bro. <laughs> yeah, I'd have tried that a few times. Yeah, it doesn't always I'd work. It, 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 it works for you sometimes, though, bro. Sometimes, sometimes, yeah. sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Try to get the lift part up out of there, but I just end up taking them for the ride. Um, with Mahomes, because like you, you talked about Osweiler holding the ball. I, I think Mahomes is he's the kind of guy. Like when I was in Russ's division, I always joke Russ got my, got my kids paid for college because he used to sit back there bake a cake. But the but the other part of it was 
you got to tackle him. You got to get there. And, yeah. You know, yeah. that little dude knew, knew how to find windows and how to manipulate the pocket. Pat is really good at doing yeah. that. Um, is that what's the key to rushing him with vision? Yeah, I feel like that's the that's the big key uh, to make sure you corral him and keep him in the pocket. Um, but that doesn't always work either. So no. um, you want to affect him, but you still want to set him up to do the wrong things. But it's it's definitely tough to do that because it's I guess I don't know what you call it like the field vision uh, whatever that may be. You think he don't know you coming, but he spin out and just create time. And that makes it even harder for the guys on the back end. And so it's like, man. Um, and then he ripped, he ripping throws that, that nobody else can make uh, while yeah. on the run. And so it's almost like he does it better when he's moving versus yeah. when he's standing in the pocket. So it's one of those things kind of give and take with him. But um, more so, I think more so power against him um, whenever I'm rushing him. Um, well, really all mobile uh, and throwing quarterbacks when they, you know what I'm saying, take up yeah. out of the pocket and try to throw the ball. Uh, and so that's kind of got to be the process and thought process with me and Joey uh, this year when we play against those guys. Yeah, what's it like having a guy opposite you that you can kind of communicate with non-verbally pre-snap? You guys might get in the huddle and say hi, low, whatever it was. Me and Rob used to work different oh, things. Yeah. You know, there's like games inside and there's games with your three tech. Yeah. But is there a game being played with you and Joey? Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, that's something we've, we've been communicating more this offseason, um, understanding what uh, advantages we have when you said high lows and all those different things. Um, I know uh, me and Bruce Irvin, we did that a lot up against uh, Phillip Rivers, tried to make him scramble out to his, his left. And he, he, he couldn't run. He, he low key couldn't run to the left ball <laughs> yeah. holding the ball. Yeah. And so, uh, just understanding what what advantages we have, uh, I feel like that's one going to be one of our throwing fruits this year. Well, Rivers used to talk a little shit actually, and I was going to ask because I saw Mahomes on the 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 thing with Crosby and him and Max going at it. One of the reasons yeah. I like Patrick is he's got a little shit to him. Uh, yeah. Does he does he jaw at y'all? Oh man, I feel like. Uh, I feel like one of the first things Pat said to me last year because uh, I think uh, Nagy did with him now. Uh, and that was my head coach, and I think that's his quarterback coach right now. Uh, he's like, man, I have a lot of respect for you. It's like, all right, all right. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's, let's get to it. All right, yeah. Let's get to it. Yeah, yeah. He's like, trying not yeah. to get killed back there, dude. He yeah, like no, no, man. But uh, uh-huh. he's a respectful dude. But uh, being at this, what, going into year 10, you know, it's not too much joy you get from those kind of guys. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I think the respect level is there. Um uh, seeing Aaron Rodgers the other day. Talking about my, my, my the jihad, uh, yeah, Ward, yeah. <laughs> he said, and you know what my favorite part was, and we were just talking about this on the show. My favorite part is jihad had nothing to say back to him, and he just said, "Yeah, I don't know who you are either," <laughs> which is a, a total lie. <laughs> but I loved it. He had to, he was yeah. backed into a corner, man. He yeah, had no man. choice. Yeah. What's it take? What's it take to beat the Chiefs, man? Because every time you guys play them, it's like a classic. And, you know, I picked you guys to win the division this year. I, I love yeah. the Chargers. I like watching y'all, man. And I think if you guys can put it together, you know, you can be that team. And I wonder, because they're the team you have to beat, what it takes. You're a vet in that locker room. You're talking to the young guys. What do we have to do this year to beat the Chiefs and get over that hump? Uh, first off, man, we can't beat ourselves. Uh, 
different things from penalties to all the 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 the, the hidden the hidden yardage game. Um, just understanding what they I think they they did some things in special teams last year um, that affected the first game, and and I feel like they got a pick at the end. I just all those different different things where you can't hurt yourself. You can't beat ourselves first and foremost because uh for some reason, man, these guys they they won't go down even if you 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 punch them or you hit them uh they won't go down easy and so uh it's it's that that thought process of uh dominating those guys and not making it close to the end and all those different things and playing playing them good uh that that can't be the thought process uh we have to dominate those guys um and it starts with uh shutting down Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey that connection um knowing he's going to him uh, when the money's on the line. Um, and that's that's a, a test for Derwin and, and, the, and the DBs in the back end. And so uh, just making that next step um, and understanding who we want to be. Um, and like you said, uh, take, to take that next step to win the division. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about Chicago, but how, how you got there, it was crazy, man. Um, you know, like when, when you got your option picked up and they – you know, these are your guys. You're happy for Gabe and you're happy for Derek. But I'm like, I'm looking from over, you know, in St. Louis or wherever I was. And, and I'm like, pay this kid. What's going on? Was that a really tough pill to swallow? Uh, did you take it personally? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. At the time, uh, I took it very personal. Uh, just understanding at the time, I feel like we didn't we didn't have much on defense. Uh, I feel like everybody on offense was getting paid. Uh, they paid, like you said, they paid Derek, Gabe. I think Ko Kalichi was was another top paid guard. Uh, it was like, dang, they loading up on offense. But uh, then throughout the process, I felt like I wasn't getting much help on, on defense. Uh, I, I remember they brought in Alden, and Alden ended up. I think Alden ended up getting suspended, probably like around mm-hmm. like the six, seven game or something that year. And I was like, dang, well, I guess they try. And then um, I think uh, Navarro Bowman came over, and uh, we were able to play play uh, play pretty well with him in the middle. Um, but it was like, dang, man, uh, when uh, when they gonna help us out over on this side? Um, I remember having that conversation with one of my, uh, I think, the defense coordinator at the time. Um, uh, dang, Ken Ken Norton. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with Ken Norton. I know Ken Norton. He's one yeah, of the yeah. only guys, so there's this crazy stat. There's like only a couple guys that won two Super Bowls on two different teams yeah. in consecutive years. I was one of the guys lucky enough to do it, and yeah. Ken was one as well. So, yeah. yeah, I know his name for sure, and he was a great player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great player, man. Great coach, great person. And so he he was one of the guys that came to me and was like, man, you can get me up. Inside linebacker drafted. Maybe they'll listen to you. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on, but I doubt it. And so once they moved on, I seen they moved on from Jack Del Rio. I was like, ah. And uh, the Gruden thing came up. And I was like, oh, who knows what's going to happen now? Uh, I think they gave him the ten years, a hundred million. I was like, dang, they even paying the coaches. I can't, I can't get no love. I can't get no love. Crazy, I can't dude. get no love, man. I'm working. I'm working hard out here. Yeah, and so uh, it was one of those things, and then you seen they they uh, they sent me to Chicago, uh, which perceivably was supposed to be the worst option out of the the few. I think it was a couple more teams that 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 pitched pitched uh, pitched some. Yeah, deals who else them. was it? 
I think it was San Fran. I know San Fran was one of the top, one of the top offers. I feel like they offered two first round picks and some players, and it was it was technically the best deal. But they wouldn't take it from San Fran because they they knew the potential of yeah what could what could be or what could happen with that, especially record wise. I think they want you to have the worst record. Right, so that they the look good. Pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have the top and pick. and and have the top pick, but also you yeah. don't want to you you don't. I mean, you were gonna ball out wherever you went, but if yeah. you were balling out on a big stage every week, it's like why did they, yeah. you know? And then Derek got paid, and that's your guy, as I understand yeah. it. You guys are yeah. tight, and I feel like Derek. Not that they're the same guy, Derek and Justin, but they both gotten some shit in the media. I think for for who people perceive they are. And they, they, they seem to be much different than that. Is in yeah. would you describe Derek's situation that way? A lot of people said like Herbert's this laid back guy, he's not gonna mm. be tough enough, he's not gonna be fiery mm. enough. And man, like couldn't be anything further from the truth. I watched that game last year where he busted his rib, yeah. got up and put the missile launcher on his shoulder. Like, you know, uh I was like, if I'm his teammate, I'm running through a wall for him. And I know Derek probably you feel yeah. the same way. Absolutely, man. Um, I feel like the perception of, of who who people and who players are uh, definitely far far off. Um, when you think about what players go through throughout the year, uh, it was it was something with Herbie. I didn't even know he he had a rotator cuff or whatever the case may be, and he needed surgery on the shoulder alone. Um, but playing with busted ribs and a busted shoulder for more than more than half of the season, um, and, and gut. I'm talking about. It, I, I feel like they wanted to shut him down one week, and he's like, "Hell no, ain't no, ain't no fucking way." Mm-hmm. And I think they wanted to shut him down after one game when it got out of hand. I think he kind of blew out towards the end. He's like, "Fuck no, I'm not coming out." And that right there, I think that kind of that kind of showed the whole team, like, man, this dude, he willing to lay it on the line even when. Yeah. Even when this shit don't matter right now, in this moment, like shit, got to get our shit together and 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 do something. And so I feel like that was that Miami week um, where we were able to bounce it back and kind of get 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 a stretch of wins. Yeah, it was a great win for you guys, and I love Justin Herbert, so I was super excited to watch him play this year. When you get to Chicago, and this is relevant right now to me because you know Chris Jones is holding out. You went through one of those things, and yeah, um, it's so funny because. Whenever I see holdout, you hear about the holdout, mm-hmm. you, you you know what, what it's over, but I don't know what it's like to be holding out day to day. I yeah. don't know, like, do you just put the phone down? You know, like, are people hitting you up left and right trying to oh, talk around the thing, trying to get the information? Yeah. You know, like, where are you leaning? The, the, and do you check in with your agent every day? How do you focus? How do you, what's mm-hmm. that like? I mean, it, it, it's, it's stressful in that aspect of, of things, not knowing what's going on because you see so much on the uh, on the internet um, yeah. you see Twitter you see hypothetical situations oh they want to send him here they want to send him there um, but um, you hear I, I, I think uh, uh, my agent called uh, Reggie McKenzie at the time <laughs> and I was in New York I went to New York to see my agent uh, Joel Siegel by the way uh, I know, nobody yeah, knows I know, yet yep. and uh, he called Reggie while I was at the table with him and uh, Reggie said uh Thing. Reggie McKenzie, he said, uh, Reggie, what's going on? Why can't we get the design? Um, it's a few more weeks to the season. It's like, why? 
why is my guy feeling the way he's feeling right now if you guys care about him the way you say you do? He said, Khalil has gotten to the point where he, he, he wants a trade. And Reggie said, over my dead body. And I was like, <laughs> I smiled. I, 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 smiled. I smiled a little bit like, oh, shit. Okay, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe they don't, yeah. don't want to do that. You know uh-huh. what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, but he said, if I, if, I, if I was to trade him, I'd be leaving soon after him. And so after mm-hmm. that, I was that like, That turned oh, out to be shit. true, I think. Yeah, I was like, holy shit. So I was like, it was Reggie's a man of his word, dude. No, no, no <laughs> doubt, man. So it's always love when I see Reggie. Uh, yeah. I, I understood the situation. Uh, when you bring a guy in like Gruden, 100 million, um, you're you going to give him full control of yeah. the team. And so, um, yeah, it was it was kind of like a finite situation, but I knew it was out of my control. I know just like these guys know it's out of their control, but you see those fines adding up. Um, I think I think they say uh, Nick was at, at over a million right now, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because I talked to I talked to Joey about his situation from time to time, and uh, so it's kind of like one of them things where you see those numbers and you see what the team's saying, and it's like, damn, is we gonna be able to get this done? Yeah, yeah, and it's it's just a little stressful, but um, you gotta just keep working out and, and grinding and. Understand that whatever the situation may be, man, um, you got to make the most of it. Uh, whether it's a move on from this situation or whether it's uh, they can bring me back in time for the season. But I think you got those fresh Chris legs, got like two, three days. Yeah, I think Chris got like two, three more days. Don't they play yeah. Thursday? Yeah, he plays Thursday, and they got a the Lions are good up front, so he might he might have some leverage in his hands waking up Friday morning. But the you know, like I was wondering, your legs were probably fresh though when you got out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, that first that first quarter, that first. <laughs> quarter and a half the first yeah. first half I was I was rolling yeah that, that rolling. fourth quarter <laughs> that fourth quarter when, when Aaron yeah. Rodgers popped the pop wherever he popped uh-huh. in the back and, and they took a shot and gave him whatever he needed uh-huh. for that knee I said dang this dude back out here and uh they they went to work they went to work but, was uh, that the Shea McClellan game where Shea was, Shea rolled up uh Aaron's uh, ankle or his knee yeah, somebody rolled up his knee. Yeah, I don't yeah, know if yeah. it was Roy. I don't know if yeah. it was Roy Robert, Robertson or, yeah. or Keem or somebody. Got Whatever it. it was, you were gassed. So <laughs> the question the question I got for you is, uh, there's a guy on my staff. He's kind of a hothead, and yeah. uh, he's kind of big. He takes up the whole fucking studio. He's not here today. But I was wondering if you have any Kyle, uh, Kyle Long stories. <laughs> I got a few. I got a few guys on, so I don't know if I can tell them on your podcast. Yeah, uh, you can, hey, give it a shot. Give it a shot. I'll, I'll pull him up there. I mean, I mean, man, I remember playing against Kyle. My uh, my first time coming to Chicago. Uh, yeah, and I didn't know they still was that jacked up, man. But uh, <laughs> it, was, it was it was it was rough, man. I feel yeah. like we were sliding mud the whole game. Uh huh. I stayed on the left side the whole time, and that field yeah. sucks. Yeah, that that at the time it was it was way worse than what it was when I was there. But uh, man, you talking about couldn't get my feet in the ground, but I kept power wrestling the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and he kept laughing the whole time, like, dude, we both gonna keep falling. I don't care what they call it. <laughs> That's great. And I'm like, I'm like, man, who is this? Dude? Why, why is he so funny, man? Your, your brother, your <laughs> brother, hilarious, guy. man. I know, I know. He he used to talk about you all the time. Uh, I I kind of imagine him just bothering you at your locker when you were trying to just 
have some time to yourself because that's kind of what he does to me before the show i'm trying to take notes and shit i'm kind of doing myself and the motherfucker's yeah. got a different thought every three seconds yeah <laughs> yeah very very deep thinker man he's a deep thinker, deep thinker. with the, the fights with him and akeem oh. was it just like watching king kong and godzilla where oh, those guys man. just like fucking moving the oh. earth man you talk about we'll wake the whole practice up um, it was it was I think those those fights were ten out of ten every time because you yeah. knew they had the utmost respect for each other, but for some reason that day it wasn't a day. It wasn't a day <laughs> to, for either of them to be touched the wrong way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um and you got to be you got to be with uh Staley for the first yeah. time. Yeah, and yeah, you know, yeah. like I think a lot of people, myself included, don't know the guy. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. and and sometimes I'll see him say something, I, I don't get him or something. But you know, you know your coach. Yeah. Did you, when you were in Chicago, say, "Hey, this guy"? You know how we'll talk about certain guys and be like, "That guy could be a head coach one day." Yeah. Did y'all see that coming? No, nah, for sure, man. You seen it in the meetings uh, when it was just me, Flo, uh, Aaron Lynch, and yeah. uh, Isaiah Isaiah Thomas, or something like that. Aaron Lynch but, uh, is the, is is the dude, man. I yeah, love Aaron yeah, Lynch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my guy, man. But it was just us four, and and you saw the passion in his eyes whenever he, he made his. We, I'm talking about like Thursday Thursday evening, um, after practice, he would make a speech like uh, we were about to go out on the field, and he'd have us ready, uh, ready to go. You see the passion in his eyes. It's almost like he, he kind of brought tears to his eyes whenever he spoke about the game um and it's like man um this dude this dude is the real deal man and you saw how he carry himself you know you know the difference between your coaches the ones that carry themselves in a certain way uh in a certain light um and he kind of always stood out to me and especially during practice uh we we focused a lot on the details um and, and when we studied film he called out a lot of things that Maybe I didn't see throughout the week. Like I told you, I bring my notes in and tell him what I'm seeing, but he'll have a whole nother, whole nother flip for me to make it even more easy uh, when they spec trap pass. Whenever they, whenever this guard is is twitching on his backside, he's he's pulling and he's he's pulling for pass, and it's like yeah. it made it a lot easier. And um, he's still doing that to this day. And like you know, he's probably a little bit more of a sports science guy. You know, like he's yeah. kind of progressive. So that's yeah. got to be good, man. You're you're thirty yeah. something now. Yeah. I don't know how old you are exactly. Thirty two. Thirty two. Thirty two. Thirty two, bro. Yeah, yeah thirty two, yeah. not thirty three. <laughs> uh, but but like that's got to feel good to have a coach that gets how to take care of your body. Oh, absolutely, man. One hundred percent. He definitely he definitely adding on years right now, man. I yeah. I tell you that much for sure. How many how many you want to go? You think? I always said ten, man. But uh, the way the way these these practices and, 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 and as as easy as you know, as easy as it as it feels on your body um, with the new CBA and all these things, yeah. <laughs> I might I might be able to squeeze out a few more, man. Who okay, knows, good. Man? Let good. my sons be able to grow up and see me play a little. Oh yeah, that's cool. You want to be home yeah. to you know to hang out. It's, it was perfect for me. My son was like three, four years old when I retired, so he oh, got no. to see it a little bit. But now I get to like when we were trying to set this this deal up. Waylon had yeah. flag football, and yeah. he's pretty fucking good, dude. I was yeah, surprised. Right. I mean, he's yeah. got to, he's pretty good Why out there. Why would you be surprised? I don't know. Why would you be surprised? Because because there's so many good athletes in my family. I don't think it, you know. Genetics, I don't think of myself man. as this, you know. But he's pretty good out there. All right. So there's another guy in Chicago that I want to ask you about, Sean Desai. Um, because he's up with Philly now, and I think yeah. people are probably excited about him. What yeah. can you tell Philly fans about the dude? Because we got a lot of Birds fans that listen to this so, podcast. 
Is he he the D coordinator in Philly? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, man, that's that's gonna be scary, man. We're gonna be it's, happy, man. Y'all y'all are gonna be. Oh man, that's gonna be. That, yeah. I, I low key didn't know. Yeah, I knew he was in Philly, but I didn't know his role. I didn't yeah. know he was a D coordinator. I knew he was in Seattle last year. Yeah. But I didn't know he was a D coordinator in Philly with all those guys. My goodness. My that sounds like it's going to be good. That's going to be scary. Okay, That's good. Scary. All right, good. That's going to be scary right there, man. Good. Uh, another another big Fangio uh, tree guy. Yeah. Uh, spent a lot of time with him. And when, when that year, I feel like uh, that year when me and Rob were, were together, that second year me and Rob were together, he was the D coordinator. And I think both of us had probably like – Seven, eight, six sacks apiece. Yeah. Um, in the first first five six games. Yeah. 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 It was. It was. You, me- you mentioned Rob. His 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 yeah. uh his his knees and ankles aren't normal. Man. Uh, yeah, laughing. His he still was bending. He was the only person I know that can run straight and sideways. Bend back sideways. <laughs> I've told back. so many people um, this. <laughs> it's like what, dude? That we called him Gumby. So yeah, yeah, um, that's what it's, yeah. yeah. so uh, so yeah, that's my dude. All right. So last thing I want to ask you about. There's a couple little fun things I want to hit you on. But I, I, my producers here, they do a great job. But sometimes before I ask a question, just in case it's not fucking true, I like to say they brought me this. They said that John Mayer is one of your favorite musicians. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, have we gotten into to Dead and Company, the Grateful Dead cover band that he does? Are you aware of this? Nah, I'm not aware of that. Okay, so you got to check out some Grateful Dead. I'm introducing the Grateful Dead. And then, who else do you like to listen to? Man, um, I like to listen to PJ Morton, kind of like a a R&B vibe. I don't know if you really know about PJ, but he he's 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 a big deal. Okay. Um, I like a little Anderson Pack. Uh, what yeah. else? What else you got? I, I kind of like a little more the the old school, like Osley Brothers, Earth, Wind, and Fire type vibe. Uh, Hell yeah, dude! Hell yeah! I, I throw some J Cole in there. Uh, okay, little Jay Z. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm kind of that type of. So dude. we so we do a layup line here where we let the guests pick a song to let everybody rock out to a little bit uh, during the show. Is there a song you're listening to lately that you like? Dang man. Um, Man, that's a good question, bro. Uh, listening to lately, let me think. And they also said you got a good voice, man. Ah, uh, okay, producer, I play, I play, I play okay. football. But guitar, I, I what about what about guitar? Because I heard you learn guitar. I, I play a little. I play a little bit. I it's, yeah. it's my fingers, bro. You you know. I know exactly what you mean, bro. D line. Yeah, you it's, got that. It's some rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah Joey. Yeah, they. Yeah, always talking about my hands, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So guitar is not a so so one song you like. Uh, it could be a, maybe your favorite song. Maybe my favorite song. Dang, that's tough, bro. This is one I listen to after after every game. Um, I play a little Frank Sinatra, My Way. Dude, I, I stole that one. I stole that one from C Wood, man. We yeah, C Wood retiring year eighteen. And they played it at practice, and he standing up with his hands yeah, up. Yeah, and I'm like, damn, that's dope. That's, that's cool. a dope song, man. That's we were we song. we were doing the show. We were doing Inside the NFL today, and Ocho Cinco's on the show. He's sitting right next to me. It's our first fucking show, and yeah. all of a sudden, in the middle of a segment, RC's talking to us, and and 
and Frank Sinatra comes on on somebody's phone, yeah. like at like level ten, and I'm like, yeah. "Fuck, I hope it's not me." Like I'm gonna get fired. The whole thing. <laughs> I look over Ocho just staring at his phone, bro. He listens to Frank Sinatra, so that's your guy. Yeah, um, yeah, that's your guy. Um, and the last question for you, I've actually never heard this story until now. You wore forty six at Buffalo because yeah. of what? Uh, so. I was gonna change my number uh, at, after my red shirt year. It's a 32, but um, the, the NCAA rankings came out um, and they showed you overall. Uh, I was a 46 overall on the game, and I was like, <laughs> "That game's trash." <laughs> See, fucker, they don't send people to Buffalo to to watch Man, practice. I said, "Yeah, nah, this is this this ain't it." But I thought it was a sign. I was like, "I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to hold on to this." That's Hold so good, man. I yeah, had no man. idea. Well, I know yeah, the pro yeah. number isn't a reflection of your Madden rating, so that's good. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's good. Uh, dude, a lot of fun talking to you. And one last thing I got to tell you, we're part of an elite fraternity, you and me. Uh, rookie year, we both had coaches fired after four games. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey! He said elite fraternity. Elite, bro, elite. They didn't even give. They didn't even give Scott Lenahan five hey. games, dude. They. What are you hey, supposed to bro. do? We were rookies. Like you're looking around, like the guy that drafted me is gone. What Yo, it's chaos. Dennis Allen, man. We just we just practiced against him in, uh, in New Orleans. Yeah. And then, uh, and yeah. then he got Derek too. So uh, he yeah. got the Derek too. So it was yeah. it was definitely one of those like yeah. damn. Okay. But I looked that up. I was like, holy shit, let me look at this again. We had we both had coaches fired after four games rookie year. Um, Khalil Mack, looking forward to watching you play, man. Big fan, obviously, your game, bro. So thanks for coming on. And no uh, we'll catch man. you down the line. No doubt, man. Big fan of yours too, man. Appreciate you, Appreciate you brother.